0: Well, good morning, Edinburgh. It's good to be here with you. I want to echo what we've heard. Um, I want to thank all of you who have served or uh, are are currently serving in in the military. Uh, Thank you. Uh, The Bible says that there's no greater love than those who are willing to lay down their life for their friends. And uh, when you sign up to to serve... (laughs) protect the, the freedoms of this country you're, you're volunteering to do just that and so uh, thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your sacrifice uh, We are very privileged yeah we can give That's. hey, some of you also received an email this past week. I uh, just want to give you a heads up uh, uh, Nancy Hedberg, our, our Discovery Director, is going to be retiring. Uh, she wants to spend a little more time with the grandkids. And uh, she's got a special place in my heart because my, all, my kids, um, at least Logan and Michaela, went through um, all, all their years here at Edinburgh under Nancy's leadership in ministry. So we're very thankful for her. Uh, she's going to be serving through... Um, through August 21st, and we are going to celebrate her big come August, but I wanted to go ahead and put that on your radar so you could be ready. We'll get you that date uh, of that celebration in the near near future. Don't worry, she's still going to be serving, I'm sure. Um, Maybe take a short break from children's ministry, Um, but she will, uh, that's who she is. She's going to continue uh, to serve around here. Well, hey, we've been in our series, Check Your Heart. And uh, we've said, uh, hey, it is good and right for us to take time to see how are we doing spiritually. How is our heart uh, doing? More important than even our physical heart, how is our spiritual heart? Because we saw in Proverbs, it said, guard your heart above all things. Why? Be- because the heart is at the, the center of who you are. It's your consciousness. It's, it's what's going to live on beyond the grave, what's going to live on beyond this This life. And so it makes sense that we would want to take care of our spiritual heart, that we would want to check because there are enemies of the heart. There are things that want to come in and poison our hearts, and that affects us at our our very core. So that's what this series is all about. Uh, Many years ago, a friend of mine, we were in a coffee shop, and uh, he said, You should uh, take a shot of espresso. Um, I had never done that. I'm not even really an espresso person. I'm more just a black coffee kind of guy. I don't even do the foo foo, double-dipped, latte, mocha, chinos that you guys, some of you, you know, uh, drink. I'm just a, a regular coffee guy. But he said, you should try it. I said, I'm not going to do that. He said, I dare you to do it. I said, I'm not going to do that. But then he said, I'm, I double-dog dare you. And you can't turn down a, a double dog dare. Fine, I'm going to, I'm going to take this shot of espresso. So I order the shot of espresso, and, 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 and I, you know, gulp this thing down, and it was terrible. It was as terrible as you would think uh, a shot of espresso would be. And here's why it was so terrible. It was the most bitter thing I have ever tasted. I mean, it's so bitter, it it was like uh, it instantly dried out my mouth. And if I were to be honest, I was a little nauseous after it for the rest of the day, maybe even into the next day. I instantly needed something to chase down this bitterness that had been in my mouth that made me feel sick. You know, it's one thing to drink a coffee drink, to drink something that might be a little bitter, okay? It's another thing when our heart grows bitter, And makes us sick because we aren't willing to forgive someone in our life. And and that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about unforgiveness. We need to check our hearts, see how are we doing in this area of of forgiving others. Um, You know, I'll, I'll tell you, I've had times in my life where my heart has grown you know, bitter and angry and resentful uh, because of things that have happened in my life. I remember growing up, there was, a, there was a, a bully in my life, and I was at a part of a daycare I would go to every day after school, and I'm telling you, every day for a year, this kid would come find me. He was an older kid. He'd come find me when it was playtime, and he would pummel me, and, and I would get beat up and, and, and left, uh, scraped up and in tears. And this went on um, for an entire year until I finally got a little older and and could defend myself. Um, But I I had moments as I got older in life because of the way that affected me and impacted, uh, you know, uh, my life, um, where I would find myself getting angry with this person. And, And I'd be driving, and I would notice I would start, like, driving faster. and I would start clenching my teeth when I thought about this person because of the way it impacted my, my life. And I had to learn to, to forgive. If you're a Christian, you know that this is something that Jesus calls us to. It's something he talks about. you need to know Jesus really did turn the, the world upside down with this idea of forgiveness. Uh, Really, Jesus was born into a world where revenge was a virtue. You hit me, I hit you back. You attack me, I attack you. Okay, um, That was the world in which Jesus came, and, and Jesus starts saying things like we are, are to forgive. He starts teaching his disciples to forgive. In fact, even in the Lord's Prayer, you remember what he says there. He says, as he's praying to the Father, teaching us to pray to our Heavenly Father, Father, forgive us our debts. What? As we have forgiven our debtors, this is a clear teaching uh, of Jesus in our life. Now, he's not teaching us it, it, that we're supposed to be, you know, uh, d- doormats, uh, you know, that uh, people can walk uh, all over. He's not teaching us here that we're supposed to not have boundaries in our life and you're just supposed to live foolishly and someone who's a repeated offender just constantly let them in their life. Jesus, at times, put boundaries in his life. Do you realize that? Yes, when it came to the cross, the appointed time, it was time to be the sacrificial lamb. He gave himself over. But before that, there were times where religious leaders tried to put him to death. And it wasn't his time. And Jesus escaped them and put distance between him and them at key parts in his ministry. Okay, Jesus himself lived with boundaries. This isn't teaching us that we're not supposed to have uh, boundaries, but Jesus does teach us That we are supposed to be a people that when we are offended and those offenses come, we are to forgive. He turned the world upside down with his teaching. And the disciples, his disciples, they they were trying to get their minds around this concept of forgiving others. Especially in in, in the world that they were born into. And so Peter is going to come to Jesus on one occasion. And we read this in Matthew 18. That Peter came to Jesus and he asked, Lord... How many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who, for, who sins against me? And then he says, up to seven times? A- and right there, it's implying something. Like Peter's like, I mean, okay, Jesus, maybe once, maybe twice. Are we supposed to forgive up to seven times? See, that's how out of the ordinary this, this teaching was. Up to seven times. And I want you to see, though, how Jesus responds. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Uh, some of you maybe grew up with a translation that said what? 70 times seven, and, uh, which is 490. And yes, I did have to use a calculator <laughs> to figure that out. Um, but here's what we don't want to do. You don't want to say, okay, well, the Greek really matters here, because that's the problem. There's a little uh, ambiguity in the Greek, whether it's 77 or 70 times 7. Because some of you might say, okay, well, if the Greek is saying 70, you know, uh, seven times, then on that 78th time, or if it's 470, when we get to 471, right? or whatever it might be, 491, then you might all of a sudden have an opportunity, but that would be Miss Jesus' point. What is Jesus' point here? This is supposed to be an attitude of our heart. Forgiveness is an ongoing, there is no end to it for the believer. It is an ongoing. It doesn't matter whether it's 70 times seven or uh, whether it's 77. The point is this is supposed to be an ongoing attitude. We are a people who forgive give. And by the way, one of the reasons Jesus wants us to be a people who forgive is because how are you and I going to experience the abundant life he promised us if we have bitter hearts? Jesus wants us to experience joy and peace. And Jesus wants us to love God and to love people. How are we going to be able to do that if, if, we're, if we have a bitter heart? It, it keeps us from experiencing the abundant life Jesus promised us. In fact, we know that um, holding on to grudges is super unhealthy. Prolonged anger and, and grudgery towards others. Um, uh, Karen Schwartz, she's an MD. Uh, for the, uh, she's the director of mood disorders uh, at John Hopkins Hospital. And she even says this. She says, there is an enormous physical burden to being hurt and disappointed. She said, chronic anger puts you into a fight-or-flight mode, which results in numerous changes in heart rate, blood pressure, and even immune response. And you're more likely to get sick when you stay in a constant place of anger and bitterness. Those changes, then, increase the risk of depression, heart disease, and diabetes, among other conditions. Forgiveness, however, calms stress levels leading to improved health. One of the reasons Jesus teaches us to, to be a people who, who forgive it is it's, it's, it's healthy. It's how we experience and encounter um, the abundant life he came to uh, give us. Now, it doesn't mean that at times you're not going to be angry. I, I mean, we, we can't help but get angry when we hear about an 18-year-old that goes and kills these innocent children, okay? It's totally, I would even argue, right at certain times to, to have a righteous anger and to get angry, okay? But look at what Ephesians 2 says. It says, in your anger, do not sin. Don't, don't hit back, okay? In your anger, it's right to be angry, but don't, don't, don't take revenge. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry and do not give the devil... A, a foothold. Now, I, I don't know if he's being literal here about, you know, um, when the sun goes down, but I think what he's saying is don't let anger uh, take, take refuge in your heart for a prolonged period of time, okay? And why? Because he says when you do that, the devil gets a foothold. The devil can come into your life and wreak havoc, uh, create all kinds of problems. Uh, you see, when we live in the world, uh, you know, of, of, of the devil's realm, the devil's kingdom, we're talking about hate, anger, racism, things like that. Um, if, if you let your heart stay there, you are now in, in on, on the devil's turf. You're on his territory, and he can do with you whatever he wants. You're going to be more prone to things like depression because you are in the, the devil's realm. But what Jesus wants is he wants us to not to belong to the devil's kingdom. He wants to belong to God's kingdom. And those who belong to God's kingdom forgive. And they don't harbor their anger. They deal with it. Okay? And so um, the first reason we want to forgive is is just so that we can experience that abundant life Christ came to give us. But some of us need to hear this this morning. Just more than that, we, we forgive because that's what disciples of Christ do. I know some of us come in today and maybe we're just kind of checking out this Jesus, uh, just kind of checking out this church. We like the idea of church. We like the idea of Jesus. But if you have made the commitment to be his disciple, meaning to follow him and apply his teachings to your life, you are commanded to forgive. It is what disciples do. Okay, why? Why is it so important that followers of Christ learn to forgive. Well, Jesus is going to go on to, to tell us a story, okay? And uh, he, this is called a parable. We're going to spend most of our time today looking at this parable. Um, a parable is a, simply a fictional story that it teaches us a, a truth about our relationship with God. And so um, as soon as Jesus shocks his disciples that we are supposed to forgive 77 times, he, he's going to tell this story. Jesus goes on to say, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. And since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Okay, so the king here obviously represents God, and the servant represents us, and, and, and so this man owes his king 10,000 bags of gold. Um, I did a little research on this. The ESV study Bible claims that that's six billion dollars. Now, with today's inflation, I have no idea how that might change things, but six billion. So the point here is what? This is unpayable. We're literally, based on the average salary of that day, hundreds of thousands of weeks before this debt could ever possibly even be repaid. And that's Jesus' point. This is a debt that could not be repaid, all right? Um, and When right? We're, we're talking about a big lump sum. And I, I don't know if you've ever had a moment in your life Where you had the hell scared into you? I mean, usually we, we talk about the hell being scared out of you. But have you ever had the hell scared into you? That's what happened to this man. I mean, this man realized he's about to lose everything, his wife, his children, his home, everything, his life flashing before his eyes. Have you ever had a moment like that before God? Maybe you messed up and you did something. Maybe the Holy Spirit convicted you in, in a unique way. Maybe you got caught doing something and you saw your life flash before your eyes. You, you had the hell scared into you. I literally uh, had, a, had a moment in my life where I, I, I knew without a shadow of doubt if I were to die, I knew where I was going. I knew I was going to hell. And I believe God put that in me. I believe that was the Holy Spirit. Hell was scared into me. And let me just say, friends, that's not a bad thing when that happens. That's a blessing in your life. I believe this is part of the reason Jesus says, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn because of what they're convicted of. They are the ones who are going to be comforted. So this is not a bad thing when this happens because God can use it for good in our life. Look at what this man does next. It says at this the servant fell on his knees before him be patient with me he begged and i will pay back everything he can't pay it back but the servant's master took pity on him canceled the debt and let him go so the king shows the servant here mercy it's real debt to be paid, but the king, God, here is going to show mercy and set this man free. Have you ever realized uh, that, that God faced a dilemma? At, at least from a human perspective, we see this that, that, that God faced a dilemma, okay? Because on one hand, God is a God of justice. It's who he is. You can't change it. I can't change it. He's got to deal with our sin. He's got to deal with our debt. That's owed. That's that's who he is. He is a God of justice. Can you imagine a world, by the way, where God didn't care? Where there was no justice, especially when wrong things are done to other people? Can you imagine a world where God just turned a blind eye, swept it under the rug, No, that's not who he is. He is, we need to understand, it's his character through and through. You're not going to change him. I'm not going to change him eternally from the beginning to the end. God is a God of justice. Who cares about sin? Okay? But on the other hand, through and through, God is also a God of mercy. Who doesn't wish to see one person condemned? Who doesn't wish to see one person perish? It's who he is. He is a God who is gracious, who is merciful. You can't change that. I can't change that. You might not be very gracious, but he is. It's who he is. It's his eternal character. But are you seeing the dilemma? What do you do? On the one other hand, justice must deal with sin, must deal with wrong. But on the other hand, merciful. And he wants to show us grace. Friends, this is where we see the brilliance of God. We see it where? At the cross. Okay, because at the cross, Jesus becomes the sacrifice that takes our sin into himself and suffers the justice that we deserved in our our place. Do do you see the brilliance of of the cross and what God did with this this seeming dilemma that he was in? By the way, when we talk about the righteousness of God, God is righteous, what are we saying there? Might never have thought about this. What we're saying, God is always true to his character. And he was true to his character at the cross, He didn't sweep his justice under the rug. He didn't get rid of his mercy. What he did is he said, I am completely just in that I poured out the bowl of my wrath that justice deserved. But I'm also completely merciful because I poured it out on Jesus. I was willing to pay that debt in their place. Friends, do you see the beauty of the cross? (laughs) And how God solved this great dilemma taking our place, being true to his justice, being true to his mercy. And by the way, for those of us who have received that, those of us who have let Jesus pay God's justice in our place, you get the curse lifted off of your life. There's a curse that comes with that justice. And I just can't help but wonder, some of you who still have that curse maybe hanging over your head today, and you know it, you sense it. (laughs) Well, maybe... It's because you haven't let Jesus take your sin and pay the justice of God in your place. To absorb that curse for you, that's what he came to do. Some of you need to be set free from that today. This man is set free from the justice of the king. So everything's good, right? Wrong. The story continues. I'm going to read the rest of the parable here. Says, but when the service went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. By the way, that's about $12,000. So he owed six billion. Somebody owes him $12,000. Says, he grabbed the servant and he began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt, right? So we understand what's going on here. The servant who had received mercy, he's now gone out and found somebody that owed him debt and showed zero mercy, having this man thrown into prison. It says, when the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and they went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called his servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. And this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you Unless you forgive your brother or your sister from your heart. Wow, sobering, sobering words from, from Jesus. And here's what I, I believe this story is teaching us. This story is teaching us we, we can either have God's grace or we can have our grudge, but we can't have both. We can either have God's grace in our life and experience the blessing that comes with it, or we can have our grudge, but we cannot have both. Now, this maybe raises the question, well, does that mean we can lose our salvation? Listen, I'm not going to say that. There's enough passages in the Bible to teach we can't lose our, our salvation. But I think at the very least, this story is teaching us that if we Do not forgive those who have wronged us. We are going to miss out on experiencing God's grace and blessings in this lifetime. I'm not saying in theory that grace isn't still there, but you're not going to experience it. Because you can either have God's grace or you can hold on to your grudge, but you, according to Jesus, you you can't have both. And you're going to be a tortured soul as Jesus describes her. You know, it was uh, Nelson Mandela who said, you know, unforgiveness is it, holding on to a grudge. It's, it's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. It's a form of torturing your, yourself. And, and that's the torture I believe Jesus is. We live in a state of of torture when we hold on to grudges. So it it, it raises this question, like, what what do we we do? Well, real quick, I want to give us two things that I think can help you. If you're holding on to a grudge this morning, or maybe there's just some anger that's been starting to build up in your heart, there's a couple things that we can learn from this story that we can do. And here's the first. Turn that person over to God. Turn that person over to God. Say, God, I'm giving you that person. Or maybe it's a group of people. I'm giving that to you. Listen to what the Bible says. This is Paul from Romans 12. He says, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. We talked about this earlier. God is a God of justice. And some of you need to hear this today because you've been hurt. And sometimes the Christian thing to do when we hear messages like this is to say, okay, I'm supposed to minimize what was done to me. I'm supposed to sweep that under the rug. No, 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 no. These are real debts that are really owed. But what we do is we turn it over to God because here's what you, get, you need to hear. God cares about you. You matter to God and he sees He knows. He is aware. But what he is asking you to do for your own sake is to turn that person over to God, the one who is completely just, and let God deal with that person. Let God deal with those people. You realize that justice is going to be meted out. Justice is going to be paid. It's either going to be paid in Jesus on the cross because that person repents and is convicted, or it's going to be paid out in that person's life. Either in this life or for sure in the life to come. God doesn't sweep his justice under the rug. So what do you do? You turn that person over to God and you forgive so that your heart can be set free. That's what you do. And you leave the rest to God. And the second thing you do is this. You remember the grace that you've been shown. Friends, we've all been shown so much grace by God. This is what Ephesians 2 says. It says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work. That's Satan's kingdom right there. That's Satan he's talking about. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. What? It is by grace that you have been saved. Friends, we have been, we have been shown grace by God. Who are we then not to show grace to other people? This week, I, w- I was thinking about something the Jews do. They, they, they would celebrate something called the Year of Jubilee. After every 49 years, they, they, they had a year of celebration, and they, they did a few things, but a couple of the things that they would do is they set all the prisoners free, and anyone that owed them debt, they, they, they set it free, that debt that, that that was forgiven. And something that I've started to do in my life, and I want us to kind of do this together this morning, is I, I call it the day of Jubilee, okay? And it's a day where even if there's people in my heart that maybe I'm slightly holding on to a grudge towards and I'm not even aware of it completely, I just have a day where I I, I turn it all over to God. Any anger or bitterness or anything I'm experiencing, I, I just, I say, God, I want you to take it and carry it for me so that my heart can be set free. So that's what I'm hoping we can do this morning. We can have a day of Jubilee so that we can walk out of church today feeling a little lighter on our feet. Can we do that? Sounds good, doesn't it? That's my hope. We're going to walk out. We're going to feel a little lighter. We're going to spend some time in worship. And as they would do in that year of Jubilee, we're we're going to celebrate the grace of God in our lives. Hopefully with hearts uh, that are set free from any bitterness that's begun to poison it. So here's what I'm going to ask us to do. I'm going to ask us to bow our heads, and we're just going to spend a little time in prayer here. I'm just going to say, Heavenly Father, uh, we, we invite you into this place. Um, God, we know that you are a good God. We know that you are a just God. We know you're also a merciful God. And so what we want to do is... Any any person that maybe comes to mind right now, any grudge that we might be holding on to? Maybe it's a person, a people group, it could be coming from any place in our life. It could be small, it could be big. But right now, God, we want to just turn that over to you. We give that person, those people over to you. We're gonna hand you our anger. We're gonna hand you that grudge. We're gonna hand you that bitterness. And we're going to pray, Lord, that you would break any chains of unhealth in in our heart that stem from this, stem from unforgiveness. So right now, Lord, we just turn that over to you. We give it over. We ask that you would set our heart free. And, Lord, we also want to receive your grace this morning. We want to say thank you. Thank you for what you've done, for people who owed you so much, who sinned against a holy God, a good God, a God that we often blame and attribute things to that has nothing to do with your character and who you are. All of us in some way have rebelled against you, Lord. And yet you've offered us nothing but grace and mercy. And so we want to receive that. And I'm just going to pray that as a church, as your people, you would fill us this morning, Lord, with your love. You'd fill us with your grace. You'd show us mercy. You would clear conscience, those consciences out there that have been tormented by something in their past or something they're dealing with right now, that by the blood of Jesus, you would wash us clean. And remove that transgression from us as you say in your word, as far as the east is from the west. God, help us to worship you now and to just feel lighter in our hearts. And if these things resurface and we feel that anger coming back, as sometimes it does, God, I just re- pray we'd repeat the, these steps of turning it over to you and celebrating the grace that you have shown us, remembering what you have done for your people through Jesus Christ, the sacrificial lamb who takes away the sin of the world. So Lord, we love you. Fill us with your spirit that we may be set free starting today. We ask this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Let's stand and worship, church.